0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Been a while since I've done one of these, approximately one year and what, two months, three months? Been a little bit over a year. And uh, it's always weird starting these things off because, uh, I mean, what do you say? It's been a year. Hello. Uh, but a lot has happened in the last year, uh, not just to me, but to everybody. And uh, I figured I'd start off by introducing my newest edition, my only edition. I don't even know if you can call it an addition to my family, uh, which is Rosie, the Rottweiler. And uh, I got her, when was it? It would have been December 1st of last year. And that was a whole thing. The whole uh, interesting time in my life. But um, yeah, man, a lot has happened in the last couple years. Or in the last year, sorry. I've taken up new hobbies, I've got a new outlook on life. Not entirely new, I still am the same shit-disturbing Adam. Trolling my friends, and not so many friends either, but. I uh, have just got back from working up in Northern BC, spending the summer with the horses, hanging out with them, doing my thing in the bush. And uh, now I am sitting in Revelstoke, British Columbia, enjoying a view of the mountains uh, while I house sit uh, with Rosie. And, you know, to say the last year has been interesting would be an understatement. I've gone through every range of emotions. I've experienced a lot more in the last year than I thought I would, and uh, you know, not to be too sentimental, everybody's got their life processes, but it's definitely been a bit of a roller coaster. Lots of ups and downs, lots of talking, lots of not talking, lots of seeing all the different sides of life that you may not expect to see necessarily. And, uh, you know, one thing that's been really good for, though, is it's despite the things that have happened, it's increased my... Ability to think positively in my outlook on life and I mean, I don't know I don't know if that's something about getting older or maturing or I mean, I hardly consider myself Necessarily more mature, but I am definitely older. I'm gonna be 34 here in a Little over a month now because it's November 1st Um, But uh, Yeah, I spent my summer with uh, my boy Oreo up in uh, northern BC packing horses doing hunting trips Hanging out with some really good people up there. And um, it's funny. One of the things uh, that really I noticed this year was more ability to openly communicate my thoughts. And I don't like using the word my struggles because it implies that I'm, I don't know, maybe it's just me in my own head. But it implies that I'm waking up every day and dealing with these tough struggles when in reality I, I consider my life to be no more or less of a challenge than well it's definitely less of a challenge in other people's lives but it's no more of a challenge than other people's lives that's for sure i've got it pretty good my life's pretty good here in canada in uh a relatively free country um and and you know that's one thing that i also learned this year is the amount of time i've spent in the last especially over COVID, stressing myself out over things that aren't necessarily irrelevant to me, but that don't have the same impact on my life relative to other subjects I could be concentrating on. Now, anybody who's subject to my Instagram or Facebook stories or the posts that I make might think otherwise, depending on what their view is of politics Healthcare, care, whatever. Um, but definitely uh, I've learned, especially after spending the summer up north in northern BC, away from, you know, for away from internet connections and cell service and all that stuff for sometimes weeks at a time, you get a lot of time to think and a lot of time to process and a lot of time to... Eliminate some a lot of the bullshit in your life because the reality is is when You know, I'll I'll give you an example of right now. I'm house-sitting. I'm in Revelstoke I have an internet connection from the moment. I wake up to the moment. I go to sleep uh, And I subject myself. I'm doing much better this year than I have previously But I subject myself to irrelevant news irrelevant world happenings. I mean, I don't need to know what's going on in the British Parliament for example or I mean, frankly, I don't need to know everything that goes on in Canadian Parliament, but I choose to intake that as part of my diet. And it, you know, it's something I heard from the great god Joe Rogan, who everybody listens to and looks up to and nobody has any criticisms of because he's perfect. That was sarcasm in case you can't understand that. But um, you know, one thing he does touch on is that your diet doesn't just refer to The food you eat, your diet refers to the information you take in, the people you surround yourself with, the relationships you have, the quality of those relationships. Um, So, you know, I've really improved my diet over the last year for a number of reasons. Uh, One of which being last winter was probably the toughest winter I've ever had. Uh, I moved I came back from working up in first northern BC then northern Alberta and when I came back from work I think I came back uh, from northern Alberta around the 20 I want to say the 28th of November or the 29th of November but it was and on my way down from work I uh, shot a deer so I had taken the deer over to, I'm just going to give you a rundown on basically the last year for me. On my way back from work, I uh, shot a deer, brought it back to um, the Canmore, Bow Valley area with me. And I've been living in Canmore for the last 10 years. But because of all the wackiness with housing prices and rentals and lack of accommodation, I found it really hard to find anything and still find it very hard to find anything anywhere, but especially in that area, the Bow Valley and Canmore and Cochrane. And so I decided to move to this kind of horse boarding ranch in Cochrane where they were renting a basement suite. And, you know, I, I don't have a ton of friends in Cochrane. I've got a couple friends, but the reality is, is like I've got one good friend with his family who lives there and outside of that it was a it was a new experience and so anyways I moved to Cochrane and I brought the deer over to my friend's house and I was butchering it and I think this was on it was like November 30th or 29th I can't remember what but I decided I woke up that morning I was staying at his house for a few days until I could move into my new place And uh, I decided one of those mornings that I was going to get a dog. I just made the decision. That was it. And so I looked around on Kijiji for a little bit. And I mean, in the past, I've always worked at animal shelters and worked with animals. And I definitely support rescuing animals. For whatever reason, I was like, I want to get a Rottweiler. No idea why. This is all very spur of the moment kind of thing. So originally I contacted this lady and she had agreed. And I was just asking her questions about sending a deposit. And then she decided that she was gonna keep the puppy. So, and it was over like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I was pretty upset because I had been speaking to this lady all morning. It was a done deal. And uh, so after she informed me that she was no longer gonna sell the dog, I was like, okay, well, I want a dog. So, I kept shopping around for a little bit on Kijiji, and I came across another ad, and there was an ad for this Rottweiler Bernese cross. And so I called the guy, spoke to him for a little bit, and told him I, it was a Sunday. I couldn't be there that day or the next, so I would be there on Tuesday. And so I left, I, I got I got off the phone, sent him a deposit, and then i think i did a little bit of butchering on the deer but i was saving it for the next day or something like that so i don't remember exactly how it went down so the next day i was butchering the deer and looking forward to going to get my dog and then i get a call from my sister who lives in the states somewhere i've got two sisters one lives down in costa rica with my mom and the other lives in the us in missouri and So she calls me, and I mean, I don't have a close relationship with anybody in my family. And, you know, I love my sister, but we don't have a close relationship. And uh, so when I saw her calling me, I knew something was up. And I answer the phone, and she was crying hysterically. And she told me that my dad had killed himself, which was obviously a surprise to me. And my dad and I... He didn't have a good relationship whatsoever. Uh, He doesn't have a good, he never had a good relationship with really anybody. Um, But as complicated as life is, despite not having a good relationship with your father, it's difficult to completely dismiss them from your life. And so I had been very infrequently in communication with him, um, but I hadn't heard from him in months. And so when my sister told me that he had killed himself, we, I mean, obviously she was hysterical. I was more just uh, kind of flabbergasted, if I could use such a word. And I spoke to her for a little bit. And asked some questions but the reality was was neither of us really had any information he kind of just left this cryptic Facebook post on his Facebook page saying if you're reading this I'm no longer here blah 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 don't try to look for me you won't find me I'm in another country very weird situation for anybody who's not privy to having ever m- yeah anyway so it was just a, a very weird situation but believable and So anyways, I spoke to my sister for a little bit and then I hung up the phone kind of sat there in disbelief for a little bit and then uh, My buddy came home and I tried to hide it at first But I mean if anybody knows me, I mean, I'm not afraid of crying and I'm not afraid of hiding my I'm not even capable of hiding my emotions I wear everything right on my face and I let him go inside with his family while I continued to butcher the deer. And then he came out to speak to me and I kind of told him the news and, and it was weird because I think for some people, the difficulty in speaking about things lies in feeling like they're seeking attention or they're seeking some kind of sympathy or pity or whatever, but that's not the case with me. I mean, for me, I tell, I never, I, my number one pet peeve is when people are like, and I know it comes from a good place and I know they're, and they're probably more well adjusted than I am to dealing with these things. I have no idea, but nothing drives me crazier than when people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. What can I do? I don't want to hear that. I don't, I don't want it. I'm not interested in help. I'm not, I mean, I am interested in help, but not in that regard. Um, but I just, to me, I don't know. Maybe it's the way I grew up. I just don't see it as a genuine reaction. Obviously, that depends on the person. Some people are much more genuine than others, but, uh, you know, I never tell people these like intimate aspects of my life looking for sympathy or pity. It's more just putting everything out on the table and making sure that we're all on the same page. And uh, yeah, so I told him what happened, and we spoke for a little bit because his his father died when he was at a younger age than me um, from natural causes. And we had a good conversation and, and then the next day I went and got Rosie. And so that in itself was a very weird uh, kind of, I mean, how do I put it? A weird circumstance in life or coincidence might be a better term because a, I had not put any forward thinking into getting a dog. I mean, I've had dogs before, so I knew what I was getting into, but I hadn't planned on getting a dog until the last minute, and it was almost serendipitous. I feel like I should look up the meaning of that word serendipitous, but I'm fairly certain I'm using it in the right context. Um, and so I'd, I'd call it serendipitous, the way that this all kind of played out. I'm literally... Uh, here we go. Serendipitous meaning on Google. Occurring or discovered by chance in a happier, beneficial way. Yeah, that's exactly how I would phrase it. Was you know, obviously I didn't know my dad was gonna kill himself, and I'll go into a little bit more detail in a moment about that. But um the just the timing of deciding to get Rosie before I got the news, the next day getting the news, and then the day after that, I go drive for a few hours, clear my head, go to this farm. And this guy's got the last puppy in the litter. Just cute as heck. So I put a little pink bandana on her and stuck her in my truck. And there's my best little bud now. And so at times in my life, I've wondered to myself if things happen for a reason. If they don't happen for a reason. I mean, it's hard to say. And at times I feel... I don't know what's the best word. I feel like uh, yeah, like things happen for a reason, and other times I feel more nihilistic, and they don't happen for a reason, and everything's just random. And when you die, you die, and that's the end of it, and there's no meaning to life. It just is what it is. But it's almost too dark and too nihilistic of a feeling for me to. Uh, adapt that on a full-time basis you know sometimes I think a lot of us just need to have the comfort of thinking and this is where I can understand where religious people come from is thinking that there's more out there than what you're currently experiencing because sometimes what you're currently experiencing is too heavy and too dark and you know the reality is is you might not even be processing at that moment when I found out about my dad i shed tears a couple times for a couple minutes but the reality is is he was kind of a piece of shit and some people might hear that and think wow that's a terrible thing to say but you don't know all the information behind the scenes and you don't know what life was like even if you've known somebody your whole life and so anyways uh i think it was the day after same day i picked up Rosie i called my best friend Phil me and Phil have known each other since we were little kids and Phil's gonna hear this probably before I have a conversation with him because he's on vacation right now Um, but you know Phil's been my best friend my whole life and I love him but you know he's crossed lines at times I've crossed lines at times and we don't always know where those lines are and it's hard to guess where those lines are but that's you have communication with people so you have the ability if you desire to have a continued healthy relationship with somebody on whatever basis the lines of communication need to be open and you need to not be afraid to tell people what you think or what you are thinking or what what the things that are going on in your head so the first thing i did was i called phil and told him the news and i just asked him to never bring it up in conversation again because it's always been a sore spot for me speaking about my dad in any regard But especially at that point, I just wanted it to be a dull, mute point in life. I just didn't want to talk about it at all anymore, period, point blank. And then um, I had other conversations since since that time. Uh, But essentially, I went from there to moving into this new place in Cochrane a little bit out in the country. On this horse ranch and that quickly became and because of the nature of my work where I had just come back with some lump sum paychecks and I had a lot of money on hand I didn't need to work right away and so I thought to myself like you know what I'm gonna clear my head and just work out and meet some new people and none of that happened I sat in my apartment daily You know, I had taken up some new hobbies. I had bought a guitar and I bought some leather working tools and leather. But the reality is without a schedule, you know, everybody's different. You know, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to say people are right or wrong or they need to do this or they need to do that. But for me myself, I need to be focused. I need to be – I need to have some sort of structure in my life. I can't just not work and not have – A schedule to adhere to and it was quite literally one of the worst periods of my life i woke up every day and i woke up late i went for walks with a dog which was probably the only thing that saved me from going right down the drain last winter was having the dog around having rosie around was it caused me to at least be responsible for s- another living thing. And I remember a long time ago, I, th- I think it was my old jiu-jitsu coach, Peter Tremblay, and he had told, I could be mistaken, but he had told us that in Japan, one thing they do for people who are you know, depressed or feeling suicidal or whatever is they prescribe them as a, a therapy or a medication, however you want to phrase it, they prescribe them a pet, a cat or a dog, because what it does is it makes you accountable to something else that's living. Um, so, and that was genuinely one of the one of the best things, or one of the only good things that happened to me last winter was uh, was having Rosie around to at least be responsible for. Because the truth is, is I would wake up and I would spend all day doing nothing essentially, and if I hadn't been taking her outside for walks. I'm not sure where I would have ended up, but the whole idea of, you know, working out and not working and it's just, it was too much and too, and, and the thing is, is like, I'm, I don't have a drinking problem. I don't have a drug problem. I smoke a lot of weed, but that's about it. And, and, and that was exactly what I did. I sat in that, in that apartment with a beautiful view of the mountains, the Rockies, and uh i wasted almost the entire winter i and i got really sick with covid for a period of time and and i got i actually got really fucking sick with covid for a period of time and uh i probably took me about a month to somewhat get back to normal but i'm talking like very hard to breathe if i went to go for a jog or something and on top of that not going to the gym I'm not even, I can't remember if the gym was even open at that time. It, it probably was, but, you know, on some sort of fucking stupid restricted schedule or something. And there was still a lot of, like, COVID horse shit going on. Masks in the stores and stuff like that. And uh, anyways, so when I was living in this apartment, I really struggled. I put on a lot of weight. I didn't work out nearly as much as I thought I would, even though I had a home gym little bit of a home gym setup lots of kettlebells and resistance bands and stuff like that but one thing i learned from myself last winter was i needed to be accountable to a schedule i needed to be accountable to a timeline i needed to have work or have something to aspire to because me just having little hobbies is not enough and to a certain extent, I'm kind of dealing with that right now, too. I mean, it's much less of an issue at this point in time because I have a much better grasp on reality. I have a much better grasp on, you know, what I need to do, how to deal with it. Um, and I think that's what a lot of, for a lot of people, what depression is. Now, I was having this conversation with somebody else the other day. I can't remember who, but we were talking about depression struggling with yourself and and you know I think for a lot of people oh that's what it was was uh we were talking about kind of the trend of how not just politics but social politics is playing out lately with a lot of conversations about sexuality and gender and all that stuff and I truly think that the reality is is when People are left to their own devices and have a lot of free time and very little challenge in life. You spend too much time thinking and too much time wondering and not enough time keeping yourself occupied, learning new skills. That's not to say that people aren't validated or valid in their curiosity or their wonderment about their place in life or whatever, because I've been through my own wonderings of who I am, where I belong, however you want to phrase it, whatever. Uh, but I do think that the age old saying of the idle hands of the devil's play thing are true. And and I really experienced that last winter. And so I it was funny, I showed up at work this year and so my work, just a you know brief explanation is I, I go up to northern BC, I fly into camp and then I'm in camp until the end of the season. You work every day, you're there all day, every day working with either horses or doing projects around the base camp, or you're out in the field scouting for cr- critters or you're out taking people guiding when the season starts, uh, on hunting trips. And, and you're around horses every day and you have a lot of time to yourself, but it was really funny. Cause when I showed up there, my fucking boss basically was like, wow, you're fat. And, and it's the truth. I was, and I was probably, 240 with, I mean, I've always been like a pretty thick build, like, in, you know, I've got some muscle on me. I'm not shredded, but I was definitely, as funny. I was looking at pictures of myself the other day from the first few days I showed up there and holy shit was I fat. Like, and that's, you know what? There's nothing wrong with saying that. And the truth is, is being fat's not good for you. Being out of shape's not good for you. And it sure is shit added to my fucking depression and problems and lack of self-esteem and all the other issues that i experienced last winter and did i feel suicidal not really no i wouldn't say so but i did feel very deeply dark sorry i didn't finish that i felt very deeply dark i felt like there's you know what's the point of things and it wasn't even that because i miss my dad i don't i don't miss my dad i never did um but what i do miss is the feeling of having a dad and what really pissed me off was that he never explained anything never gave us any answers to anything never left us a personal no personal anything he just disappeared and to you know to clarify what happened essentially was according to his note which is the only bit of information we got was that he had been dealing with hydrocephalus for the last year of his life. And I'm sure the symptoms had been, I mean, if it's true, I mean, the funny thing is, is when I spoke to my little brother about it, the first question we both asked each other was, do you think this is true? Which just lends a picture of the type of character that my dad was, that we both questioned whether him saying he had an assist. I mean, I call it, he killed himself. The reality is, is he, we found out, Later is that he traveled to Switzerland and had an assisted suicide um, because of his hydrocephalus symptoms. Now, the other reality is that nobody in the family trusts him trusted him enough to a point where we could even verify this. I mean, we found one of the one of his fucking other kids found some emails in his email account from some place in Switzerland. That's kind of how we got that information. But the reality is, is as far as I know, he could still be walking around somewhere out there. I have no idea. And that's what really ticked me off. And, and the fact that he couldn't, I mean, he knew that we were all looking for answers from him for things that had happened in life, things that had happened in the family. He knew that there was unaddressed problems. He knew that there were subjects that needed to be explained and answered, and instead of doing that, he decided to leave and not own up to it, and uh, and that was really tough to to accept because you know I make my own mistakes. I'm terrible at communications. Sometimes I get better all the time, but like the reality is, is like sometimes I'm really bad, and I and I actually think I'm not that bad, but I feel like I'm bad communication in many cases I mean uh, even recently I mean there's some things I just don't want to address until I feel like I'm ready to address them and uh, I mean that's just the reality of it I don't know I don't know how else to phrase it so um, but yeah so he had been suffering with hydrocephalus or whatever for X amount of time and apparently he Got a one-way ticket to Switzerland. Was euthanized over there and then buried in an unmarked grave, and and that's the end of that story. And so, anyways, um, I went up to work this year and I was working with in you know, a. To make a long story short, I was working with a guy who I had worked with about 10 years earlier, a guy older than me who has been through his own struggles in life. I mean, we've all been through our own struggles in life, but he's had a, you know, he's had his fair run at life and uh, he's experienced not entirely similar, but similar enough things to what I had recently experienced where, you know, it's funny. So without going into too much detail, he lost his kid a few years ago and um in the first few weeks of work he and i had gone out to essentially scout and look for critters and do a couple projects early in the season and we were gone with no internet connection no cell service any of that stuff for it was just me him and eight horses for i think i want to say almost three weeks oh yeah it was three weeks exactly and or sorry two weeks two weeks and it was funny because in the first few days there, the first week, I really, I struggled, man. I struggled super hard. I, uh, I would break down. I would say out loud that I'm not the person I thought I, but once thought I was. I, especially because I was in such poor shape. I mean, at certain times in my life, I felt invincible physically, and I was ready to fight more MMA fights and I loved running 30 kilometers in the mountains up to the top of the summits and back down and whatever, rock climbing, hiking ridges, you name it, I was into it. And then over the last few years, yeah, I mean, I, I went way downhill physically and sometimes and then I'd go back up and really bouncing around a lot. But in those first couple of weeks there, man, did I ever struggle and the guy who I was with was, you know, it's funny because he's a tough guy to, for a lot of people to feel comfortable around just because he's, he's an imposing figure, let's put it that way. But I think because of my previous knowledge of working with him and and knowing what he's like and me being kind of a similar figure in a lot of ways, we we actually got along quite well and we bonded quite well over talks about... How I was feeling and how he felt when he lost his kid, and how uh, how we related to each other, and how we look at the world, and because it doesn't always feel fair. And uh, you know, we had a good couple weeks together, and I really appreciated having him around because I don't know if it would have gone the same way working with somebody else in that environment. I mean, you're with the same person twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. The only other thing to talk to other than that person with you is the horses. And I love Oreo, but he's not exactly a conversationalist, if you know what I mean. And it's super funny. I mean, there was one day there where, holy fuck, the mosquitoes were so goddamn bad. You couldn't go three seconds without wiping 50 mosquitoes off the back of your neck. And we were trying to hike and it was so humid and disgusting. And I mean, forget last winter that one day almost drove me into insanity i just i couldn't believe it we woke up in the morning and walked outside and we could just see all the horses were huddled together and we walked over to them and there was thousands tens of thousands of mosquitoes on them i mean quite literally run your hand down their back and you would just you'd look at your hand and it would just be covered in black and blood because of all the mosquitoes you slicked off of them and then blew their blood everywhere and friggin' poor horses, man. We, it, it was so bad, I'll tell you this. So they make this stuff called SWAT for horses, which is like insect repellent for horses. And you can just imagine what's in it. I mean, it's fucking toxic. It says right on there, do not contact. You're You're supposed to technically wear gloves when you put that shit on the horses. And the mosquitoes were so fucking bad... I wiped half a bottle of Swat all over the horses and then I wiped fucking half a bottle of Swat on myself. And uh yeah, that was holy shit. And then oh fuck. Okay. So I come out of the one of the first mornings we're there, I walk out of the uh cabin and I walk over to my new fucking saddle for the horses, and just for anybody who's not into horses or whatever, saddles are not fucking cheap. Like, my saddle, brand new, is around $4,000, and thankfully I bought it used, but yeah, that's a, how expensive leather is. I walk outside, and one of these cocksucker porcupines fucking chewed my brand new saddle, chewed through the rear, the rear latigo cinch or whatever. And uh, what to shoot a couple of her pack saddles. Man, did I go on a fucking rampage! I'm not going to go into detail because I don't want to get myself in trouble. But let's just say there was no living porcupines uh, in the close vicinity after that. And uh, yeah, so I mean, just going through that first couple weeks of work where I was getting completely because because essentially. I had managed to, I think, I mean, this is in a doctor's analysis, but this is my analysis of myself and my own thought process, is that because I got the news about my dad when I had just finished work, uh, you know, early December, 10 days before my birthday, um, I managed to just tune it out. I just listened to the news and watched, you know, Whatever and listen to whatever, and just distracted myself for eight months until I went back to work because that's the kind of thing I had access to. Uh, you know, having internet, having whatever, it allowed me to distract myself and not necessarily. And I mean, I spoke to people and stuff, but it's weird when you are not distracted by those external stimulations like your phone, the internet, your computer. The TV, Netflix, Pornhub, whatever. You're all of a sudden you're in this like silent mode, and so when I was working with my buddy up there for the first two weeks, that was tough as fuck. Like it was, and and I really do appreciate having him there because I couldn't think. I and I told him as much at the time, but I couldn't think of a better person to have with me. And you, I I think some people who maybe know him may not think exactly that, but the truth is, is he was. The best person to have with me he was relatable and he was honest and he was raw and uh and he really helped me through those first couple weeks because and this was probably one of the most well it was one of the most heartbreaking things was um i think it was about a week into that trip i woke up and we were supposed to hike up over this ridge or whatever and I had been communicating with my mom through my uh, Garmin satellite device or whatever because there's, there's, there's absolutely no cell reception where we were. And so I'd just been sending my mom a couple messages and uh, she asked me if she, she said, um, I guess you haven't heard the news because you don't have the internet. And I said, no. And she said, Graham has died. He fell off his roof. And this was a week into me already having... Kind of a fucking meltdown out here uh, because I, uh, because Graham was a good friend growing up and he was next door neighbors to me and Phil. And he was, I mean, he was a really good friend growing up. He was close. Uh, He was very close. And I hadn't spoken to him in a long time, but it's funny because the last message actually I had with him, the last conversation I had with him was. Uh, around the time I did my last podcast and he was asking me to go into detail about some of the stuff that happened to us when we were kids about you know my soccer training and this guy that my dad brought over from Egypt named Captain Kaft- Captain Rafat who you know Graham got to know fairly well and spent a lot of time with him and and it was funny that Graham brought it up cuz I had for I had blacked out that entire chapter of my life essentially and Graham you know it's had, had suggested talking about it on a podcast and then when my mom told me that Graham died and fell off his roof I mean it was both hard to believe and believable because I I'm realistic about life I I know it starts and ends but I just it just hit me so hard for whatever reason and uh and yeah man that that day was fucked up and My buddy was right there with me and I got, I literally, we were, I was getting on my horse when I read the message from my mom and I just cried for 20 minutes while we were riding and my buddy rode behind me and didn't bother me, didn't ask, you know, all he did is ask if I'm okay and, and that was perfect. I think he, he and I see that in a similar way, uh, in terms of how we want people to address us and help us when we're struggling with that kind of thing because uh he never did the kind of things that that drive me crazy like the disingenuous sympathy and i know i know it's not disingenuous coming from a lot of people but it just feels that way and maybe that's a byproduct of you know how i grew up and my parents and any of that stuff but uh that's neither here nor there anyway so where was i here Um talking about uh riding Graham died. And uh yeah, for you know, until the end of that two week period, man, did I ever struggle and and I and I thanked him afterwards and told him I really appreciated having him there with me because it's one of those periods in your life which you're not gonna experience again and and uh it's what's the best word to use here? It's kind of like a pivotal point in your life where I think this is part of what led me to having a little bit more positive outlook on things because I've definitely gone through periods of my life where I had no reason to be, but I was very negative and had a really negative outlook on things. And and it's been a long – I don't like using the word struggle. It's been a long journey or – fuck, every word sounds fucking cheesy. But it's been a long thing trying to dig yourself out of that negativity. I mean it's easy to get sucked into negativity because – all you got to do is think about all the things that piss you off or all the things that make you angry. And especially in 20, the beginning of 2022, I mean, there's a shitload of people out there who have, if they wanted to look at that way, they, they could find lots of reasons to be angry and upset. And uh, whether it's justified or not is a whole other question, but that's neither here nor there. So um, anyways. As the season, pre- and I told my boss the same thing. I mean, I, I straight up told him the first day I was first day I was back in camp. I mean, he he always asked me. He's like, hey, how you doing? Are you doing all right? Because he knows I wear my emotions on my face and my sleeve or whatever, the, whatever. But uh, and I straight up told him, I'm like, man, I'm struggling. I I uh, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm having these nightmares. I'm. I'm having these, like, life things. And, and that's one thing I've always been very open about is, like, I'm going through these things in my life. And, <clears throat> um, and you know, surprisingly, he gave – not. I shouldn't say surprisingly, but he and I have come from two different backgrounds. I'm talking about my boss now. He and I come from two different backgrounds and two different current life situations, and he gave me some really good advice. And he even said that he doesn't know – necessarily what to tell me because he hasn't experienced what i've experienced um but he did and and, you know that goes back to the to the you know empathizing and understanding where you know some people's view of religion comes from is when you're struggling like that you want to look for some sort of guidance or some sort of uh, what's the word, you know, some sort of direction to head in instead of just having this constantly nihilistic point of view of life where it just begins and ends and the lights get flicked off at the end and nothing else happens and your body just rots in the ground. I mean, is that real? I have no idea. I, I, I couldn't tell you but um sometimes that's just a little bit too dark to to want to look at life that way and maybe maybe it's a sign of weakness i have no idea but i don't think so i think it's a sign of having an open mind and and the reality is is none of us know just like we don't know if there's aliens out there and i'd bet there probably are aliens out there i'm not going to the tinfoil shit today though um and then uh i found a lot of and, and during this entire time working up north Uh, My buddy, Phil, actually, (laughs) I shouldn't say my buddy, Phil, my friend, Sherry, who is Phil's now fiance, took care of, uh, Rosie for me, which I really appreciated because I was afraid of, especially at her young age. And just with all the multitude of dangers up where I work, grizzly bears, wolves, the horses that I work with, I was afraid of bringing her up there and her getting hurt. And, uh, so Sherry very graciously cared for her while I was gone and took very good care of her and you know as the season progressed at the beginning I didn't think I'd make it through the whole season I genuinely thought I I would end up leaving work early because I was just I was struggling so much but uh, everybody I worked with this year was very good and I really appreciated having everybody around and they all were you know very supportive in their own way and we all had our agreements and disagreements and and especially in the field of work that i'm in i'm i'm still fairly new to it um especially in certain aspects and and i really struggled with some aspects of work it's not an easy job it's a fucking tough job i don't care who you are or, you know it's definitely easier the longer you do it but it's got it it's got its fucking challenges let me tell you that between working with horses being out in the bush Some of the people you end up guiding, man, does it test your fucking patience. Like, I'll I'll go into the detail about those stories later, but it was just, it was a fucking summer. I'll tell you that. I got bit right in the ass by horses. I got stung in the face from wasps. I fucking made some cash, enjoyed my summer in the mountains greatly uh you know with all the ups and downs regardless of that i still had a great time and uh and it gave me a new outlook on life Fuck this all sounds super cheesy but it's true and coming back out of that season i knew i knew exactly what i needed to do i knew that when i got back into civilization i had to hit the gym again i had to come up with something that makes me accountable uh, finds at least some kind of part-time work to have some sort of schedule uh, which has honestly been the biggest struggle is finding uh, work right now uh, that isn't full-time everybody especially in the towns that I live in like I live in all those ski towns here in BC and Alberta and they're all so sick of ski bums uh, who just want to work for like three weeks a year or, or like every Monday and Wednesday from nine until four thirty or whatever. So they don't even entertain the idea of part-time work anymore. They just they're like you're either working full-time or you're not fucking working. I don't have time to deal with your shit. And I totally get it. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to, uh, I've been, sorry, I've been back for a while now and it's been, it's been good getting out and, uh, you definitely miss it though, because when you <laughs> fuck, it was so funny. I was driving down from work and one of the first fucking things I saw when I was driving home from work, I mean, this to give you an idea of what it's like, you go up there and you don't see your vehicle or any other vehicle aside from bush planes for or a horse for, you know, almost four months. It was about 100, almost 120 days straight of work every day, all day. Some days are easier than others, but the reality is, is like you're working all day every day. And, um... Sorry, one second here. Are the dogs. Oh, sorry, Russian Rosie. We're having a ball over there in the background, creating a little bit of disturbance. Um, but yeah. So essentially, I was at work for almost 120 days straight. Fly out, get in my truck, and start driving south. And uh, I was in a A and W parking lot getting my triple junior, or what is it? Triple chicken buddy burger wrapped in lettuce instead of a bun because. I mean, that's the, when you're in Northern Canada, there's only two restaurants you ever see essentially in every town. And that's A&W and Tim Hortons. You can almost guarantee you're going to see those in just about every town. And so, and then your other choices are either some random diner or a gas station for food. So when I first left work, I stopped at a farm and bought a bunch of beef jerky and sausages and stuff from the farm. But other than that, I would stop and get, some uh, chicken burgers wrapped in lettuce as my driving snack <laughs> i was coming out of the AW parking lot and this guy pulls into the parking lot in a f-350 or something like that dually and he is staring at the a like looking off to his left while he's driving staring at the a&w and then all of a sudden boom he fucking slams right into a cement post in the middle of the parking lot and totaled his truck right in front of me. And I was like, oh yeah, back in civilization. Um, But uh, yeah, I drove all the way down south and went to Revelstoke and said hi to Rosie and picked her up and then Mm -hmm. ran some errands for a few days and went back to the Bow Valley and Canmore and saw some friends and, and then came back to Revelstoke. So I'm house sitting here for a while, but you know, I definitely immediately got a gym membership made sure I was staying accountable to that, did a couple part-time work shifts just to make a little cash and make sure I'm not burning through all my cash and stay busy. And I made some plans, I made some goals in terms of like leather working and stuff and that was the way to keep myself from, you know, degrading the way I did last year was essentially staying accountable and staying busy and having things to do. With a goal, and as it's funny, man. The other day, I sat down to act. Cause I didn't actually write down goals. I just kind of had some ideas to stay accountable. Things so like learning guitar, progressing in the leather working, progressing in the gym. And the other day, I sat down to write down some goals, like a few short-term goals, a few long-term goals, and I stared at the piece of paper for like fucking probably half an hour because I couldn't think of anything and. Just that exercise in itself, just the exercise of writing down some goals, is requires practice. Everything requires practice. Um, so uh, eventually, I got around to writing down a few, but I still need to, uh, you know, amend that list and have a solidified three short-term goals and three long-term goals. But you know, it's a whole other thing coming out of work too and like learning how to communicate with people on the outside too again because you have all these like I remember I went to the bank and the bank tellers asking me arguably too many questions about where my paychecks are coming from in my bank account I don't know why they were grilling me so hard about my bank account but I started to feel like pretty annoyed I'm like what the fuck do you want to know so many questions about my, I mean if you're the fucking tax are you the tax collector no just deposit the fucking check and Whatever, if it's on hold, it's on hold. It's not your responsibility to figure out where my money comes from. Not that any of it is nefarious, but it was just like, mind your own business, put the check in the bank account, let me get into my safety deposit box, and I'll see you later. And uh, you know, I probably shouldn't have got so mad, but uh I did. So what? Fuck it. And um yeah, so just all those things coming back from the bush and coming back but uh in the real life is just a bit of a it takes some practice you get you get used to it again but definitely the first couple of weeks coming out of work was a little bit weird and but i think the biggest thing to take away from the last year and i'm going to try to keep this under an hour i think the biggest thing to uh, take away from the last year is uh the changed outlook on my own outlook on life I guess is you can always look at it through two different kinds of lenses and, and you know whether its po- I don't believe in unending positivity I, I, I believe in realism but something that is realistic is you'll enjoy life a lot more if you have a little bit more positive outlook on things and you know that's one thing I got from my boss which drives me crazy is he's so positive and so optimistic about everything but it's good like I, I kind of learned that from him was like, why? I mean, you, you can look at it two different ways. It doesn't matter which way you, you can look at it, whatever way you want to, but he seems a lot happier than I was seeming. And so I, I looked at that and I, I said, you know what, like I, I should probably take this as a sign that I should change kind of the way I'm interpreting things or the way that I'm also, you know, not just taking in my diet, but the way I'm outputting my diet is, You know, what I'm presenting from myself to other people. Because I think for a lot of people, it's a big turn-off. And I don't mean that in, like, a weird sexual way. I just mean, like, it's a big turn-off to run into somebody who's super negative all the time. And all they talk about is, fuck this and fuck that. And this is a big problem. And everything's a problem. Instead of just accepting life for what it is and rolling with the punches. And, yeah. So... And I think that's having a pause, like, you know, the other day I had to have a talk with my mom and it, okay, this is kind of funny. I'll end on this note. So whenever my mom asks me how I'm doing, what I'm doing, if I've got a girlfriend, this or that, I always just fuck. I'm just like redlining, ready to snap when I feel those questions coming. And my dad used to, do, it used to be even worse with my dad. He'd ask me, what are you doing with your life? Or what are you doing today? And I would just almost automatically redline like fucking on the brink of explosion like mind your own fucking business you don't need to know and To the same extent I would do it with my mom and also with Phil and I was talking to a very lovely girl about it just recently, you know in the last couple weeks and She's a psychology major uh, doing her masters and you know, I brought this up to her because me and Phil, I drove him to the airport. And when we were the morning, we were driving to the airport. I was just, I just, I don't know. I just woke up. I was fucking annoyed with him already, just from seeing him or being around him. And <laughs> it sounds terrible, but like you know, there's an element of humor into what I just said and sarcasm. But you know, I was I was kind of annoyed and. He, I think he decided to leave his dog instead of me taking his dog for the day which originally is what I wanted but because he didn't tell me he was going to do that I think that's what pissed me off right away and then we get in the car and very rightfully so he's like hey are you okay because I was just being quiet and I was being kind of like a dick and I was like yeah I'm fine and he's like oh okay because you seem kind of pissed and I'm like don't fucking start the day like this fucking just mind your business and (laughs) there was fucking like 10 minutes of silence before i or 20 minutes of silence before i could fucking muster up the balls to be like hey uh yeah make some jokes or whatever and then i you know it's funny i mean me and phil know each other very well so you know once i calmed down a few hours later after i dropped him off at the airport uh i sent him a text message apologizing saying he doesn't deserve that but the reality is is when I spoke to this lovely girl about it, you know, she had a bit of, you know, input as to what might be the cause of that. And she suggested that maybe the reason I react like that is because these people who I get so annoyed with asking these mundane questions had at one point in time, obviously, when I, or not obviously, sorry, assumedly, when I was much younger, had broken my trust. And when she mentioned that, immediately it clicked and I hadn't really ever, th- even though I knew this was a problem I have, I hadn't thought of it in this way ever where, you know, cause when I was a kid, my mom would ask me questions and then like, you know, what are you doing? What's this? What's that? And when I gave her the answer, sometimes she'd go and tell my dad and breaking that trust. And the same thing with Phil, I would tell him, you know, like intimate details of my life or my family. And then he would broadcast it at the next fucking party or the next social gathering or whatever to everybody else who I didn't need them to know that or want them to know that. And so when those same people ask me how I'm doing or what I'm up to or whatever, I have this like visceral real animal reaction of like barely being able to control myself and my temper And my explosive anger, and you know, I can feel it welling up inside me. I can feel the anger literally building up from my gut from the moment I can sense. Like literally, my mom doesn't even have to ask me anything. I'll, I will call her and be like, "Oh, what's up? What are you doing?" And then the moment I feel so what is your plan or so what is up or do you have a girlfriend or do you have any love interest in your life? The moment I even sense that she's going to ask me that, I feel this anger boiling up inside me. Same thing with Phil. Whenever he asks me, Hey, are you okay? Or is everything all right? Or I just have this uncontrollable anger building up from my gut. And Yeah, I'd say that's one of the biggest insights I've had. I can't remember what the fucking tangent is that that started this, but I think it has to do with communication is how my communication is improved. And so, you know, I called my mom and I just told her after I had a conversation with this lovely lady, I called my mom the next day and just straight up told her, I'm like, listen, I'm like, I'm not angry at you, but I want to let you know why I react the way I do when you ask me certain questions or when you start going down a certain tangent. And this is why. And I explained to her the whole thing about having broken my trust in the past. And my sister, apparently, I mean, when when I told my mom, she agreed right away and said that my sister has told her that a hundred times. Um, and, and yeah, so I think to make, to make this whole fucking long hour long story, roundabout in a way is uh, you know it's important to articulate what is on your mind to those people around you that you want to have an open communication with and a continuing relationship with because if you don't articulate these things people will tell stories in their head they'll make things up they'll they'll think one thing is something that it's not or whatever and uh and they'll, uh, and they'll develop an own dial their own dialogue in their head. And it may not be the same as reality. So anyways, to sum it all up, I had a great summer. Oreo was fucking sweet. He only bit me once cause I watched him every single time after that. He bit me right in the fucking shoulder that horse. Um, but. Did a lot of training with Oreo, hung out with Domino, hung out with the rest of the horses, uh, and now I'm here chilling with Rosie and Rush. Rosie's being a super cute little Berna and uh, I'm going to go take them for a walk right now, so thank you everybody for listening, I appreciate it, and uh, maybe one day I'll find some direction with which way these podcasts are going, but until then it'll just be random talking about whatever. And I only touched on, like, one of, like, four things, so I might just do another one tomorrow. And, yeah. So I'm going to go for a dog walk, smoke some weed, do a little editing, and then put this up A to Z. Talk about it all. Have a good night.